everyone to Believe Your Podcast for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. We've got some news headlines for you, and don't worry, that Moscow Murders episode is coming out today, this afternoon, shortly after this episode. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening. Tell your friends, you guys are the coolest. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, January 3rd, twenty and twenty-three. Who wants to get into some news, shall we? 785 million mega millions prize is sixth largest in u.s history des moines iowa ap an estimated 785 million mega millions jackpot set for tuesday night will give lottery players a chance to start the new year with a lucrative bang the big prize is the sixth largest jackpot in u.s history and has grown so large because no one has matched all six of the game's numbers for more than two months There have been 22 straight drawings without a big winner, allowing the prize to roll over and become even larger. The jackpot winning drought isn't surprising given the miserable odds of 1 in 302.6 million of winning the top prize. There's 333 million Americans, just so everyone knows. The 785 million jackpot is for a winner who chooses to be paid through an annuity. Annuity? Come on, Blaine. Paid through an annuity over 29 years, nearly all winners opt for a cash payout, which for Tuesday night's drawing would be an estimated $395 million. I'll take the cash, I think. I think I'd opt for the cash. I'll take the cash, too. Four alive in miracle after car plunges off California cliff. Montera, California, AP. A four-year-old girl, a nine-year-old boy, and two adults survived Monday after their car plunged off a northern California cliff along the Pacific Coast Highway near an area known as Devil's Slide that's known for fatal wrecks, officials said. The Tesla sedan plummeted more than 250 feet, 76.2 meters, Sweden, from the highway and crashed into a rocky outcropping. It appears to have flipped a few times before landing on its wheels, Wedged against the cliff, just feet from the surf, according to Brian Pottinger, a battalion chief for Coastside Fire P- Protection District District in California Fire. So something on my face. Crashes along Devil's Slide, a steep, rocky, and winding coastal area about 15 miles or 24 kilometers, Sweden, south of San Francisco. That's between Pacifica and Montera. Rarely end with survivors on Monday. The victims were initially listed in critical condition, but all four were conscious and alert when rescuers arrived. And by the way, I went ahead and read a little bit more of that story. It says they were not using autopilot or self-driving. Good. Good. It was just a regular old accident, but that's amazing that they survived. It probably was just a perfect bounce and just flipped a bunch and then just wedged itself. Didn't roll anymore. Everyone was just like, what the hell? Are you okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. And just like, can we get out of here? No, we're wedged in the doors. Let's wait four hours. But man, it looked really cold there too. Anyway, anyway. Jeremy Renner undergoes surgery after snowplow accident. Reno, Nevada, AP. Jeremy Renner suffered blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries in a snowplow accident in Reno, Nevada on Sunday. A representative for the actress said Monday and remains in critical but stable condition after undergoing surgery. A publicist for Renner said in a statement that he... that the 51-year-old Avenger star is in an intensive care unit following surgery on Monday. Jeremy's family would like to express their gratitude to the incredible doctors and nurses looking after him. Truckee Meadows Fire and Rescue, Washoe County Sheriff, Reno City Mayor Hillary Sheave, and others read the statement. They are also tremendously overwhelmed and appreciative of the outpouring of love and support from his fans. Authorities and Renner's representative haven't said how the accident occurred. The Washington County Sheriff's Office said late Sunday that Renner had to be flown by helicopter to a hospital for treatment. Renner was injured in an area near Mount Rose Highway, a road linking Lake Tahoe, which straddles the Nevada-California border, and South Reno. Renner, Renner owns a home in Washoe County, which includes Reno, and told the Reno Gazette Journal in 2019 that he chose the area because Reno was the right-sized city for him. It has majestic scenery and allowed him and his family to ski frequently. Renner, Renner was the only person involved in Sunday's accident, and the sheriff's office said in a news release that it is investigating. Yeah, well, that's scary, but it's good that he's doing okay. Well, at least he's still alive. I don't know about doing okay. He's getting better, I hope. I hope Jerry Renner's getting I like him as an actor. I didn't talk about it too much in the last episode, but I don't remember which movie I first saw him in, but I just Yeah, Wind River. I really liked him in Wind River because I think he understood the Native American sort of dynamic. He knew he was a white guy, but he was like in Native American. Yeah, well, 
That's how that works for me. Um, let's keep reading. Okay, here we go. Pennsylvania officer killed, second wounded, suspect shot dead, Breckenridge, Brackenridge, Brackenridge, Pennsylvania. The man suspect, suspected of fatally shooting a Pennsylvania police chief and wounding another officer in con confrontations during a foot pursuit near Pittsburgh was killed by police after a chase, authorities said. The officers were shot blocks apart Monday in Brackenridge, an Algeny County town northeast of Pittsburgh. The suspect carjacked wow, a vehicle, and when Pittsburgh detectives later spotted it, he fled. Algeny County Police Superintendent Christopher Kern said the suspects crashed the vehicle after a car chase, ran into a wooded area, and then toward a housing development and fired at the pursuing detectives who returned fire and killed him. Monday evening, Kern said the state state attorney general, Josh Shapiro, the governor elect, identified the slain officer in a tweet as Brackenridge police chief Justin McIntyre, saying he ran towards danger to keep Pennsylvanians safe and he made the ultimate sacrifice in service to the community. Dang. Police say the second officer was wounded in the leg and is expected to survive. Authorities had identified the suspect as Aaron Lamont Swan, 28, of the nearby city of Duckens something. Kearns and told reporters that Swan had been sought for a parole violation involving a weapons charge. Allegheny County Police will investigate the shooting of the suspect. Hmm. Pennsylvania. How close is that to uh, Albrightsville, I wonder? Here's something from E! News. Actor Tyler Sanders' parents speak out after his cause of death revealed. In statements obtained by E! News, David and Ginger Sanders mourned the loss of the 911 Lone Star actor who died from the effects of fentanyl on June 16th. The 18-year-old's death has been ruled accidental, according to an autopsy report from the Los Angeles County Medical Examiner Corner obtained by E! News. So there's that, too. Which, fentanyl's no joke. I would stay away from it myself. But sometimes, you know, that chasing the dragon you get that monkey on your back you can't can't get it off you just can't get it off monkey stays on your back chase the dragon state senator cited for intoxication while in parked car lexington south carolina ap a south carolina state senator said he was cited for public intoxication early new year's day while sitting in his parked car after realizing he drank too much and shouldn't be driving republican senator tom davis said he had been sitting in his parked car for over an hour sunday when a lexican police officer approached him and eventually issued a ticket for public intoxication moments after leaving a social gathering where alcohol was consumed senator davis recognized he should not be driving in an effort to be safe and responsible he pulled his vehicle into a nearby parking lot disengaged it and sat in it the law firm retained by davis said in the statement Lexington police didn't respond to an email Monday seeking a copy of the public intoxication ticket or other information. Town offices, including municipal court, were closed Monday for the New Year's holiday. Master's invitation goes to the wrong Scott Stallings. Kapalua, Hawaii. Scott Stallings received an invitation to the Masters, and the Georgia resident most likely will be there as a guest of the PGA Tour player by the same name from whom the coveted invitation was intended. Stallings, who qualified for the Masters by reaching the Tour Championship last year, didn't realize what had happened until the other Scott Stallings sent him a series of messages on Instagram alerting him to the male mix-up. Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well, and I'm from Georgia. My wife's name is Jennifer too. <laughs> The man wrote, I received a FedEx today from the Masters inviting me to play in the Masters tournament April 6th to 9th, 2023. I'm 100% sure this is not for me. Invitations were sent to eligible players the week before Christmas when club chairman Fred Ridley announced the criteria would be unchanged from the previous year. Stalling said he checked his mail every day and began to wonder where his was. Honestly, I thought my wife had it and was doing something for Christmas, Stalling said one day at the Century Tournament of Champions. But then nothing yeah, he's let down for Christmas big time. Oh man, how disappointing. Like, oh I know she's got it. She's been hiding it from me. She knows how she knows I can't wait for the masters. You love Christmas. And then his wife's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, crazy. Where's my master's invitation? Right now. I want it right now. I've been waiting forever. I check the mail every day. Boom. Honestly, I thought my wife had it and was doing something for Christmas. It's like, dude, that's a, what a letdown, man. <clears throat> Disappointing. It's the worst Christmas ever. I, hey, I agree with you on that one, Scott Stallings. The worst Christmas for me, too. I was sick. I was so sick, I was afraid of telling my family that I was sick. Because I thought I was going to die. Ugh.
I still feel kind of sick. That was over a week ago, man. Christmas was a week ago for all those tuning in at home. Fans and listeners tuning in at home, Sweden. What's up with Sweden anyways lately? It's just not acting like themselves. Anyway, anyway. Um, worst Christmas for me too, Scott Stalling. So don't blame your wife too much. There's a lot of people around the world that were suffering this year. Where's Scott Stallings, man? Like, I don't... I'm not into golf. I don't do PGA stuff, PGA Tour stuff. Um, I've never been. So I don't know much about golfing. It doesn't seem like too much of a... Like a physical... A physically violent sport like football would be or something. You know what I mean. Violence, interpret it how you will. But I can imagine some things... Some things go missing and Scott's just like... I know she's got... She's hiding it from me. He's, he's, on, he's on social media... And he's seeing like all these got my got my master's invitation from FedEx today exclamation point can't wait and it's like a picture of the golfer and his wife and just like she's hiding it from me she already has it I want to take that photo I don't want to go to the masters where's my invitation I freaking qualified last year I've been practicing all year for this she better give it to me for Christmas because that'll be a good photo to put to post. Yeah, everyone else is posting theirs early. Well, I'm waiting. I'm getting mine on Christmas. My wife has it. She's hiding it from me. She's been keeping it from me. She better give it to me on Christmas. And he just forgets after Christmas. Like, oh, well. What do you want to do today? Just sit around? All right, let's be lazy. Get sick. I was sick as a, I was sick as a dog on Christmas. Boo! She's hiding it from me. Police say 22 injured when SUV crashes into New York City restaurant, New York, AP. A hit-and-run driver rear-ended a sport utility vehicle and sent it crashing into a New York City restaurant, injuring 22 people, police said Tuesday. The crash happened at about 9 p.m. Monday in Upper Manhattan, a police spokesperson said. A white Audi exited a gas station and struck the rear end of a Toyota sport utility vehicle, causing the SUV's driver to lose control of the vehicle, police said. The SUV mounted the curb and crashed into the front window of the Iron Bar, Iron Inwood. Inwood Bar and Grill. A total of 22 people were injured in the collision, mostly by flying ga- glass. It's a lot of glass. Just everyone just like, ah, oh, sprayed with glass. Get it off. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Oh, to my hair. 19 people were taken to hospitals and the remaining three declined medical attention. Get it out. Get it out. Police said none of the injuries were life-threatening. The Audi's driver fled the scene and was being sought Tuesday. Ooh. She's hiding my master's invitation for Christmas present. If I don't get my master's invitation for a Christmas present this year, I'm going to be very upset. I've been practicing. That invitation should be coming to me. I'm Scott Stallings. I'm the real Scott Stallings. Now, where is it? Are you hiding it from me for, for a Christmas present? Explainer, what happened to Damar Hamlin? Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest after making a tackle during Monday night's game, causing the NFL to spend a pivotal game against the Cincinnati Bengals that quickly lost significance in the aftermath of a scary scene that unfolded in front of the national television audience. Yeah, I read a little bit about this already. DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment, the Bills said in a statement released early Tuesday. He is currently sedated and listed in critical condition. The 24-year-old Hamlin was administered CPR on the field. He's been reported during the broadcast. Teammates around Hamlin were shielding him from public view. Many were weeping and praying with while Hamlin was treated on the field by a team and independent medical personnel and local paramedics. He was taken by ambulance to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Teammate Stefan Diggs later went to visit Hamlin in his hospital while fans of both teams were gathered outside holding the candles and praying. What happened to Hamlin? Hamlin was hurt while tackling Bengals receiver T. Higgins on a seemingly routine play that didn't appear unusually violent. Higgins was running with the ball on a 13-yard pass from Joe Burrow when he led him with his right shoulder, hitting Hamlin in the chest. Hamlin then wrapped his arms around Higgins' shoulders and helmet to drag him down. Hamlin quickly got to his feet and appeared to adjust his face mask with his right hand and then fell backward after three seconds later and played motionless was down for 19 minutes okay well i think is that all the oh, yeah we still got a little bit more news here guys we still got a little bit more news yeah all right we'll do a little bit more. prince harry says he wants his father back prince correction prince harry says he wants his father and brother back 
Everybody else is getting their invitation. Everyone else already has their invitation to the Masters. So where's mine? It's in April. It's four months away. I don't have it yet. Okay. My wife's got it. It's going to be a Christmas present, of course. Of course, she's got it. She'd be hiding it from me, of course. Perfect. All right. I'll expect it on Christmas. If she doesn't give it to me by tw- by 12.01 a.m. on December 26th, I'm going to be very upset. I am the real Scott Stallings. Prince Harry says he wants his father and brother back. London AP, Prince Harry has said he wants to have his father and brother back and that he wants a family, not an institution. During a TV interview ahead of the publication of his memoir, the interview with Britain's ITV channel is due to be released this Sunday. In clips released Monday, Harry was shown saying that they feel as though it is better to keep us somehow as the villains and that they have shown absolutely no willingness to reconcile, though it was not clear who he was referring to. Harry, also known as the Duke of Sussex, and his wife, Meghan, have aired their grievances against the British monarchy since the couple stepped down as senior royals in 2020 and moved to California, where they now live with their two young children. Harry, 38, has previously spoken about his estrangement from his father, King Charles III, and elder brother, Prince William, since departure from the UK. Last month, Netflix released Harry and Meghan, a six-part series that detailed the couple's experiences leading to their decision to make a new start in the U.S. In in that documentary, Harry was scathing about how the royal press team worked and spoke about how his relationship with William and the rest of the royal household broke down. Meghan described wanting to end her life as she struggled to cope with toxic U.K. press coverage. Harry's autobiography titled Spare... Recalling the saying, the air and the spare is being released on January 10th. That would, that would kind of suck, actually. The air and the spare. Oh, I see. Two boys, huh? The air and the spare. If you had, like, just every single day. Just all dressed up in your, like, military garb. Oh, I see. The future King Charles III. Uh, the air. Prince William and the spare. That would suck. <laughs> that would suck, man. And everyone just has a little chuckle. Ah, oh, this way to the royal jewels. The, the crown jewels. Right this way, the Tower of London calls you. Inside. Right there in the spare. Right this way, young lad. <laughs> the future king of England, King Charles III. And his two sons, Prince William... And the spare. Yeah, and the spare. And his, and his two sons, the air and the spare. To the guillotine. Review. A reporter at a dying paper solves a serial murder. Now, this is something that's kind of interesting to me. If you turn it around, a podcast host. A re- review. A reporter at a dying paper solves... A podcast host at a... On a Broadcasting on a dying podcast solves a serial murder. Okay, I can pretend. Dogtown by Howard Owens. Willie Black is a multiracial 60-year-old reporter who covers the night cops beat for a dying Richmond, Virginia newspaper. He smokes, drinks, and falls in love to... Oh my gosh. I, I, look, I didn't even read this. I didn't even read this. I just thought it was oh, kind, of, kind of interesting. Yeah, podcast host on a dying podcast. Okay, yeah, parody. I'm not, look, I might be older, but I'm not 60 years old. I might be retired age, but I'm not that old. Ah, the air and the spare have arrived. Who is is the redhead boy? Who who is the ginger? The spare? Who is the young, who is the younger Prince William? Not old there. They, he'll be heir to the gherkin. Now let's get there immediately. And to the Royal's Royce. I can only imagine what it would be like living, you know, in the Buckingham Palace. It'd be something else, you know. The police there, well, it's just a different vibe there. I'm, gonna, I'm waiting for the next segment to get into this next story. Falls in love too much, smokes and drinks. Uh, yeah, it's trying to solve a, like a murder mystery. Oh, yeah, uh, hello. It's like a parody of me, it really is. But hey, maybe that's how I get my start. 
until I get my foot in the door everyone keeps talking about all the door, the, that door of opportunity that keeps freaking closing on me revolving door of opportunity that I get stuck in like help we've got to get the jaws of life and get them out of there and throw them out in the street the air and thine spare hey Prince Harry yeah hello Prince Harry yeah that's me um hey Prince it's uh it's Scott Stallings hello Scott how are ya hey man I'm pretty good um I've I've got a question I've kind of got an issue over here I've been practicing for the Masters for a long time dude and I haven't got my invitation around I You've been practicing for what? The Masters Tournament for golf. And I haven't got my invitation. I should have got it. Everyone else is getting it. I was wondering, have you seen it? Not right now, Scott Stallings. I've got a few problems of my own. You see, as a Duke of Sussex... Right, right. I've been referred to as the Spare. I am not the Duke of Wales. The, the Duke of... Wa- the, the Duke of Wales? Megan... Megan, is it the Duke of Wales? So you haven't seen my invitation yet. Megan, have you seen Scott Stallings' invitation to the Masters? No, she, she hasn't seen it. She doesn't have it. Maybe your wife has it, Scott. Yeah. That's exactly what I was afraid of. I thought she had it too. I better get it by Christmas. Hey, look. Uh, hey, Prince Harry, best of luck to you. I hope you get that whole thing sorted out. It was referred to as a spare. Right, right. I want a family, not an institution. Megan, have you seen Scott Stallings' master's invitation? Hey, look, Prince Harry, it sounds like you're, you've got your hands full as it is. Um, I'll, I'll give you a call on December 26th at 12.01 a.m. What is that, like 8 a.m. your time? I'm not sure, Scott. I gotta, I gotta get going. Cheerio. All right, cheerio. Okay, who wants to get into this freaking story about me? Dogtown by Howard Owens, Permanent Press... Willie Black is a multiracial, and hey, everyone, guess who's, guess who's Native American and English, white, Western European, freaking Anglo-Saxon, Anglican. Willie Black is a multiracial 60-year-old reporter who covers the night cop's beat for dying Richmond, Virginia newspaper. He smokes, drinks, and falls in love too much, knows the sleazy, sleazy side of the city as well as, as well as he knows his own face and is fiercely dedicated to a profession that has not been kind to him. Author Howard Owen, a former Virginia newspaper man himself, first introduced Willie in Oregon Hill in 2012, and now in the 12th book, in the underappreciated series of crime novels, the protagonist's hold on employment is more tenuous than ever. The decline of print journalism is a recurring theme in these books, and thanks to massive budget cuts and layoffs by greedy absentee corporate owner. The newspaper to which Willie has devoted his life, wow, appears on the verge of cutting him loose as Dogtown opens a plumber Richmond's first murder victim of the new year is discovered near the railroad tracks in a bad part of town. His throat cut and one of his fingers removed when two more victims are butchered the same way. Willie realizes the city has, has, he has a love-hate relationship with, has a serial killer on its hands. With the police investigation going nowhere, Willie, a dogged and skilled investigative reporter, sets out to end the reign of terror himself, while at the same time generously mentoring a young reporter who is after his job. <laughs> well, I don't have that. that this is some of a parody, but... Working long hours without overtime pay, he contends with a stonewalling police chief, an ethically compromised mayor, and even anti-vaxxers to bring the case to a disturbing conclusion. In a sense, Willie's an archetype. Most newspapers in America have a veteran reporter or two like him. Battling against long odds to do the thankless job of holding public officials accountable was struggling to keep his job and breathe life into the First Amendment. However, his quirks and his biting, self-deprecatory sense of humor are all his own. It's a... If you guys like, if you guys like the book Dogtown, if you guys like that character... Willie, you're going to love the Bling Vieira podcast a lot. As always, in an Owen novel, the writing is tight. The dark story is leavened with humor. Leavened? 
leverage, right? That's what they're trying to... Leavened? Leavened? I always new, get these new words in AP all the time. As always, in the Owen novel, the writing is tight, the dark story is leavened with humor, and Willie's oddball collection of friends and ex-wives are as... In- fucking shit. I'm going to start reading these books. I'm going to start on freaking page one on... Um, like series one or first one that book is about me that's like my future there that book is a that book is a glimpse into the bling vera podcast future bling vera life future who's still listening please are you around i'm i'm desperate to look up some headlines from sweden today just to get sweden's attention again i'm starting to read stuff in kilometers i'll convert stuff to kilometers on the fly do you you do that cheat sheet or something Hey guys, it's Scott Stallings. Um, if any of you have seen my invitation to the Masters, I, could someone, like, I think my wife has it. <laughs> Everything that goes missing is like, my wife's got it. She's planning something. She's planning something big. My wife's got it and she's planning something big. My wife's sick and she's planning something big. She's going to get me sick on Christmas. She's going to do what? All right, all right, all right. Everyone calm down. Facial recognition tool led to mistake and arrest. Lawyer says, this is the this is the dystopian nightmare that I'm talking about right now. The post-pandemic dystopian future, present, past that we all live in right now. New Orleans AP. Louisiana authorities use a facial recognition technology led to the mistaken identity arrest of a Georgia man on a fugitive warrant, an attorney said in a case that renews attention to racial disparities in the use of the digital tool. Randall Reed, 28, was jailed in late November in DeKalb County, Georgia. The Times Picayune. His attorney, Tommy Colligero, said authorities erroneously linked Reed to purse thefts in Jefferson Parish in Baton Rouge. Reed arrested on November 25th, one day after. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Arrested on November 25th, was released December 5th. Happy Black Friday. You're going to freaking... You're arrested because you look like somebody. Because because the computer said you look like somebody. Jefferson Parish. Hey, where'd all those purses go in Jefferson Parish? Like, I don't know what you're even talking about, dude. This is bullshit. (laughs) Just all in handcuffs in the back of a truck. They all start saying, freaking break your neck. Reed is black, and his arrest brings new attention to the use of technology. Critics say it results in a higher rate of misidentification of people of color than of white people. They told me I had a warrant out of Jefferson Parish. I said, what is Jefferson Parish? Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? What is Jefferson Parish? What? what? Jefferson Parish? What? 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 Reed said, I have never been to Louisiana a day... (laughs) I have never been to Louisiana a day in my life. Then they told me it was for theft. So not, oh my God. So not only have I been to Louisiana, I also don't steal. Well, yeah, well, the computers say you do. So put your hands behind your back, you piece of shit. Where are the purses at? What is Jefferson Parish again? Collegarot said Reed was falsely linked to the June theft of luxury purses from a consignment shop in Metairie, in New Orleans suburban Jefferson Parish. Okay. A Baton Rouge Police Department detective then adopted the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office identification of Reed to secure an arrest warrant, alleging he was among three men involved in another luxury purse theft the same week. Court records show, according to the newspaper, differences such as a mole on Reed's face prompted the Jefferson Chi- to rescind the warrant, who estimated a 40-pound difference between Reed and the purse. Say, surveillance. Jefferson Sheriff Joe Lopuntino's office did not respond to several requests. Information from the Times... New Orleans advocate on Reed's arrest and release. The agency used official or on any safeguards around it. Yeah. Sounds like they're abusing it a little bit. Sounds like they're going a little, taking it a little too far. The agency did not immediately respond to letting the computers do a little bit, all of their work, it sounds like. Where is he located? Yeah, okay, let's go get him over there. He doesn't know what we're talking about. Where are the purses at, you piece of shit? Where are those luxury purses at? I had never been there in the day of my life. Yeah, well, you steal purses, too. Facial recognition systems have been have faced criticism because of their mass surveillance capabilities, which raise privacy concerns, and because some studies have shown that the technology is far more likely to misidentify black. Well, <clears throat> yeah, of course. 
Other latest cities, all possible matches must undergo a peer review by other facial rate investigators. You know, that doesn't seem to work. Legislation to restrict the use of facial statewide died in 20... Well, they should bring it back. They should bring back legislation for that. Because I don't think... Let's get serious, guys. Like, we're in the post-pandemic dystopian president right now, right? I don't think cameras belong in churches. For one, I don't. Unless the church is being graffitied every single day or broken into every single day, no, no cameras. Have someone stay at the church. A um, curator of the church, if it's, that, if it's that bad. That way they can scare people away. Or if the people need shelter and they're there for a legitimate reason, they can let them in. But let's get rid of the cameras everywhere. I think cameras have become so like ubiquitous, or just we've become so desensitized to cameras and technology, cameras in your face, recordings, like myself included. Look, I've got, I've got some big plans here with my future. I'm, I'm sick and tired of flushing my future down the toilet. Are you sick and tired of flushing your future down the toilet? Look no further. Life away from cameras and technology and everything. Just get a van and drive as far as the eye can see run out of gas park it somewhere and live out of it that's what i'm going to do hey bling bling hey hey everyone scott stallings yeah go ahead scott hey man have you seen my invitation to the masters no nah, man I, ha- I haven't seen it didn't get delivered over here i'm in arizona right now oh you're not in salt lake anymore i thought i'm like salt lake dang it yeah what's wrong you can't find it you didn't get it everyone else got theirs are you sure you got are you sure you and qualified for the tournament? Are you, you didn't you're not just making you know didn't think you qualified, but you actually did? No, that's what I'm starting to wonder myself. I think my wife has it. Oh, your wife's name is Jennifer, right? Yeah, her name's Jennifer too. Well, if I uh, if it turns up, I'll give you a call, cabling. Yeah, same. Hey, likewise, Scott Stallings. If it turns up, I'll give you a call, man. Um, I don't think it's going to get delivered over here, though. But I'll keep my eyes out open for it. You know, I, I hope you find it, dude. Kind of a big deal. What if your wife? What if your wife doesn't give it to you on Christmas, man? What are we gonna do? You have to figure that out. She's planning something big. She has to have it. She has it. She's planning something for Christmas. Look, I'll give you a call after I give Prince Harry a call. After you give Prince Harry a call. Yeah, it's kind of a long story, bling. I've been looking all over for this freaking invitation. I think my wife has it. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, man. Like, that's a, man, that's a good Christmas gift. I hope you find it, dude. Like I said, I'll keep my eyes open for it over here. I'm in Phoenix, but if I go back to Salt Lake or Oregon or wherever, freaking San Jose, to eBay headquarters, then yeah, we'll see. I'll give you a call, all right? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll call Prince Harry again. Yeah, you go call Prince Harry again. All right, play. I'll talk to you later. Right. Okay, bro. Yeah, see you later, man. Scott Stallings finds his invitation to the Masters. There's just too many, there's too many cameras. And we've all gotten used to them, and I think that's a problem. Because at some point here, guys, we're going to have to just go like, okay, okay, technology's gone too far. All right, all right, it's gone too far. It's gone, all right, that's enough, that's enough. I think when people are getting arrested using facial recognition software, and it's, we got the wrong guy, it's like, um, <laughs> I don't think this technology is working. Well, it just happens every now and then. It's like, I, everyone usually says they didn't do it, right? Well let's maybe just back let's go back to the old-fashioned way well, too many people are getting away it's like well too many innocent people are getting arrested too one is one too many if we if you're arresting the wrong person on the stupid computer let's get rid of that computer because that's one life too many that's just been interfered with disrupted and you don't take their word for it i've never been jefferson what the hell is jefferson parish first of all i don't steal freaking luxury purses and like Everyone kind of has thoughts every now and then, like, oh, just snag that real quick. Or everyone has those thoughts all the time, but they don't act on it. They don't steal things. We don't steal things. Like, some people have moral values. I'm one of them. I mean, I'm not going to steal a bike or do anything. It's like a napkin or something. Yeah, I'll drink and take a pen. Not a nice pen. A ballpoint pen, if I think, oh, whatever. But nothing expensive and nothing on purpose, typically. I don't steal things. Um, some band-aids, but not stealing them. I'm just kind of a band-aid or two. That's not, that's borrow, that's using a band-aid. Freaking hands are bleeding in the attack, trying to kill in my sleep in Salt Lake City. Don't use eBay. Any information on eBay, stop using it. It's not safe. But like, we've let it go way too far. And let's just pretend that that guy was homeless. 
like he's done for. There's no home. Like, just lock him up. No one cares. Throw away the key. It's like, I don't know. The computer said I was stealing purses in Jefferson Parish. I've never been there one day in my life. But hey, that's what the computer said. And then the sheriff's office doesn't respond to shit. Because they know they messed up. And they're just going around arresting freaking people of color and ethnicities and minorities. For no reason. For stupid computers that say like, hey, look at this. We got a match. No, it's not. Who invented this software anyways? It's flawed. You know, mistakes happen. It's like, no, like, not like that. Don't knock that shit off. No one's stealing purses. Luxury purses. Get the right guy for stealing luxury purses. All right. One more. I've got one more. Sheriff West Virginia deputy fatally strikes girl with patrol car. Huntington, West Virginia, AP. An off-duty sheriff's deputy in West Virginia fairly struck a child with his patrol car, police said. The girl was struck Friday night by a Cabell County Sheriff's deputy who was driving near an intersection in the east end of Huntington City, police chief Carl Kohler said in a statement. Kohler said West Virginia State Police are investigating the incident. Sheriff Chuck Zirkel said the deputy, who has been placed on administrative leave, was traveling to refuel the vehicle. Police have not released the 13-year-old's identity. A crowd gathered at a corner of the intersection for a candlelight vigil Sunday holding signs that read Justice for Laney. State Police Sergeant B.K. Wellman asked for patience during the investigation, telling news outlets that investigators will reconstruct the accident scene and retrieve data from the vehicle to determine its speed at the time. And that's all the news that I have for you right now, today, except for, except for, except for the update to the murderers here and i could probably get into a little bit if you listen this far let me get into a little bit huh use it oh no don't get on an auditorium bleeding don't do it don't do it don't no it's gonna talk about the murders it's gonna talk about the murders bleeding 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 bleeding. oh no oh here we go i can't tow a truck tow truck it's a giant tow truck yellow lights christmas lights don't it Clear, clear. And sends a giant tow truck. Oh, fire engine on the back. What happened to the F thirty five? What happened to the F thirty five? Lockheed Martin. Heard again. Turkey belonged. It belonged to Turkey. The F thirty five. Ogden Auditorium. eBay. I A I. Utah Metalworks. Raytheon, Sarcos, Collins Aerospace. Oh. Right, Octane Auto Towing, that's enough of that. Okay, so I'm going to start with the beginning. Or the, the part where I think Brian Christopher Koberger could have changed. Um, we all go through metamorphosis, metamorphoses in our lifetimes. There's always a change in character, a change in behavior as we mature. It sounds to me like the the research that i've done so far and it's very limited you'd have to the contact family members and stuff and i just don't have the resources to do that right now but the investigative work that i've done so far it sounds like brian was a large child um heavier set he was fat and i you know sometimes just a little disclaimer here i sometimes say things that are insensitive and stupid on this podcast. And it's kind of like I reserve this podcast to, to do those things. Um, I guess I had a little bit of a change of heart in how I perceive uh, Brian Koberger at this point. On New Year's Eve, I was like, kind of, he looks like he's 50 years old. And those are rude things to say and they're not appropriate and stuff. But th- I'm like trying for humor here. And I don't really know anything about the case at that point besides just what everyone else knows. And I haven't really dive deep into it it's just like okay he's guilty or he's like a mercenary or something right like that's i already wrote him off and that was it i did the thing that the public does that public opinion the public the public opinions like crucifixion and it wasn't until i like stopped and i wasn't drunk so i stopped i woke up you know sober and I, i started really reading about it and i was like wait a minute I started analyzing like the statements from the attorneys and stuff. Um, 
even uh, Labar, who is Koberger's representative, not so much attorney, but representative probably today, in the extradition back to Idaho hearing, um, he even says he's very intelligent. And he knows exactly where we are right now. He knows exactly where the case is. And he says he's very intelligent. So that to me is like, oh, okay. Okay, when a lawyer is saying that, when a lawyer is like kind of saying like, yeah, he's almost smart. I am. Yeah. <laughs> he knows where we are. He knows the process. Everything's good. He's not denying he's, he is who he says he is. And so that's all I really have to do is just say, hey, you know, speed it up. And we were looking forward to him to be exonerated. So for an attorney to say like, yeah, we're just looking forward to him being exonerated. Like, sure, if he's representing you, they have to be on your side. Um, they didn't get too much into the case at all. They said it talked for about an hour. But it sounded to me as like, damn, like, okay. He's not, it might have just been some bad photography. And I need to sometimes bite my tongue when I, when I come to judgments on, on how people look. But again, it's New Year's Eve. I've been kind of frustrated with this case myself. I was, you know, people get killed in their sleep. And I did the whole thing. Public opinion, crucified, he's guilty, case closed, right? But I don't think it's like that anymore. I start to think about it from like a, um, an academic perspective. I could never imagine a assistant professor killing four people and like especially, especially if they're in like the criminal uh, science kind of things at, at school. Um, if they're a PhD student, assistant professor, I once had a crush on my PhD freaking student math professor. I did, man. I was embarrassed about it too, but I, I thought, it, no, anyway. I couldn't imagine that professor that I had a crush on going around. I failed. I, I had to withdraw from that class too, but I didn't pass it. But I luckily got a, it didn't affect my GPA because I was able to get like an exemption it was a rough year that year for me, but, um, yeah, not like the GPA matters once you graduate anyways, or straight at Dean's List, yeah, it doesn't matter, shit doesn't matter, so, go to school, freaking flush your life down the drain, live on campus, maybe he had the same realization that I did, he's like, I've worked so hard for this master's, and now I'm in the PhD program, and nothing matters, and whatever, maybe he snapped and did, did it that way, but I doubt it, I doubt it, I think if anything, like I've been talking about different types of technology and cars and framing people. I, I don't like eBay. You guys know that. I think it's important to know that there are conspiracies that are real. And that sounds so far out there. They're designed to make you look crazy, right? So um, persecutory schizophrenia, I, I mentioned this. So with the case of eBay, I think it's, it's, a, good, it's a good one to have eBay and the Natick couple, Massachusetts couple. Um, you know, head of security and like six others of like executives fly first class from San Jose over to Massachusetts, terrorize a couple. But the, there was two people that were even involved in, in, in that case, those executives who looked for um, people that would fit the, the, the MO, I guess, of, um, of who would be guilty of the crimes that they were committing that the executives were committing. They're, they're trying to set someone up to be guilty for their crimes. And they had two names, I'm pretty sure. They had some people already set up. So they were flying back to California and they're going to say, oh, look, we found these names. Look at these guys. They're guilty. And then they're going to try and pin everything on them and like frame them. And so I wouldn't, man, at this point, learning a little bit about Brian Christopher Koberger, I wouldn't doubt it if there's a whole setup here, like, oh, he's perfect. He, yeah, he's just a quiet assistant professor. He's got an intense stare. And let's set him up. Let's make him look like he's doing it. Oh, what do we need? A white Elantra? What does he drive? A white Elantra? How many of those can we find? 22,000? Cool. What year? 2011, 2013? White Elantra? Yeah, let's go buy one for like $2,000 probably. Set it up with our stupid technology, deep fake technology or whatever else. It's possible, man. It's possible. And now all of a sudden it's public opinion. If eBay is doing that shit and like setting, framing people on the, while they're doing stuff, while their executives are doing stuff, it's more than possible for another research company or some, someone to do something stupid here. And if they want to set someone up, they can easily. The car is so easily manipulated and there's so many of them 
We didn't have the license plate. We didn't have the, the, the pin, the, the VIN number, right? And what I've seen with like deep fake technology and stuff with cars is they can make it look like, yeah, however they want to, however they want to. There might not be a whole fleet of them. There might just be one. But if they can uh, fabricate one car to make it look, put the, put the face of Brian Koberg driving that car away, my gosh. And it's not even his car. He's just asleep in his... Um, his dorm room. She lived 15 minutes away? Sure. I think the relationship between Koberger and the four students would be what you need. The interactions between, but they weren't going to the school that he was an assistant professor at. So where's that interaction? He lived nine miles away, 15 minutes away. But where's that interaction? And the police aren't releasing it. I think there, there's something going on here that still doesn't make sense to me. But we can even rewind it back. And this is where I was going to try and do the episode today that's just not news, not anything um, more focused on like the, the, the childhood maybe or that metamorphosis that happened in Brian's life that caused a little bit of anger and aggression. And again, I can totally sympathize and identify with a lot of those things. When I became sleeping bag homeless, there was a metamorphosis. There was a change in me, a flux of testosterone probably. And there's way more aggression than I've ever had in my whole life, ever. I've never been confrontational. I've never been a bully, really. I've never had people staring at me where I go, what? Like, never. And, like, be prepared to, like, yeah, (laughs) fight or flight mode kind of thing. Like, what? Like, do something. Keep staring or keep walking, you know? Like, yeah, you never seen a homeless person before, and what are you staring at anyways? Like, come over here and do something about it. And I've never been that way, and I'm not that way really anymore, but when, yeah, the stakes are high... So my whole point with this is Brian was a fat kid and between, from what I understand, between like his senior year, between the summertime, the summer right before senior year, when he comes back to school in high school, he's thin, he's tall and he's thin and he's probably like way more attractive, all that stuff. Um, and so he had learning boxing. He, he, he went from a fat kid probably stayed at home, read books, was a total nerd. And then just the pounds melt off. He started walking around the block a few times, went running and jogging. The pounds melt off. He, he realizes he's tall and attractive and handsome and like aggressive, imposing. He has an intense stare and he's taller than everybody else, but he's like big, broad shoulders and he could be aggressive and people will be like cower before him. It's kind of a big change there. And as a with testosterone, kind of a flux of testosterone going through your body at that time, as a male, you kind of change a lot. There's a lot of big changes at that time. Um, it could have been a so-called late bloomer, whatever, but either way, but that senior year, he was a different person and, and people who used to be his friends stopped being his friends because of how aggressive and, and uh, mean he was. I talk about White Fang a lot and how White Fang was taught to be mean I think Brian Koberger was taught to be mean. How so then, Bling? Well, if you're fat, your whole childhood, people are going to pick on you. Kids are so freaking cruel. 13-year-olds, 12 and 13, they're probably the cruel, they're the meanest. They're the meanest of them all. 12 and 13, man, what a cruel stage of life. Everyone's so self-conscious at that age at how they look, yet we're still children. We don't have our parents' permission to do shit. And, but, but we think we're adults, we think we're ever, and we're like 12, 13 years old, right? Obsessed with sex, but we can't show it because we're 12 and 13, at least as a, as a boy I was. Um, and it's just a flux of testosterone, all these changes. Like I, I was the same way, I was pretty pudgy. Like just like the, like the kind of fat face and fat everything. And in ninth grade, I, I was skateboarding all the time and whatever. Ninth grade, I came back and I was a different, I looked different, man. I was lanky and like wiry, the skateboarding, girls were talking to me, but from basically kindergarten till, uh, what, seventh and eighth grade, I was kind of chubby, man. I was a dork. I was a nerd. And then, yeah, even more so in like 17, 18 rolls around, I got good at skateboarding. I'd talk shit to people so much. I was a dick sometimes. Yeah. It goes to your head. And if you're tall and you're into boxing and you just got a good jab, it's just like, yeah, come do something about it. I've been listening to everyone pick on me and give me a hard time my whole life. And now all I had to do was run, like, run a couple miles a day 
during the summertime, I come back to school and everyone's like, wow, what happened to you? It's like, don't talk to me. Get out of here. I'm smarter than you are. I, you don't deserve my time anymore. That metamorphosis, that change at that age left, I think, an impression on Koberger. However, I don't know if that makes him guilty necessarily, but he changed at that age in life. That was 10 years ago. So you're looking at what, 2012-ish? 2010 to 2012, there's this change in him. So 10 years, a, decades, a decade later, and he's a PhD student, finishes his first semester as a PhD student, probably straight A's, probably really good marks. <clears throat> I don't know. Either he was disenfranchised completely and thought he'd get away with it. Um, there's a lot of different things that I could get into, and I probably will. But um, one other thing I wanted to mention was there's there's two dynamics here. He he's either guilty or he's not, right? So he either wanted to get a, he either did it and thought he could get away with it, and, and he would only think that because the incompetence of Moscow police or the University of Idaho police or all of it. Um, the jurisdiction thing, everything's designed here to be tangled up. He's from Washington on the state line. Then of course there's a jurisdiction of the university police. Moscow, Idaho police, and then Pennsylvania, and like it, there's jurisdiction, um, extradition stuff, like all of it is designed to slow everything down and just take, mess everything up, dirty hands, corrupt hands, can get their little paws on the case and, and mess it up a little bit, like there's a lot of paperwork here, and it's, a, it's very messy, is a dad part of it, is a dad involved, or is Brian involved at all? Was the whole thing just like, oh, here's some more clues. Here's some more clues. And it's socially engineered for like the police chief to be like, oh, we got him now. And it's like, nah, man, you don't. You just got set up to take the bait and you did. And now there's an innocent person, uh, an assistant professor, PhD student being charged with four homicides. And and we've already said like, oh, he, he did it. He thought he could get away with it. He thought smarter than everybody else. It's like, I don't, not so fast, everyone. Not so fast here. So anyway, I guess that's kind of an episode in itself right there. But yeah, I thought I'd tease it. If you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Tell all your friends and keep a lookout for those Moscow Murders Blink Fair podcast episodes. Good luck. Take care. I love talking like this. Besides from talking all fast and getting all mad. Besides from doing that, I love doing this. Open the beer so I can drink it. Get it ready like we used to in the green room. Open one beer, get two cold ones right by. The ice is melting off of it. That's how cold it is. Make it look like a Coors Light commercial, please. And bring some twins, too.